Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton. Our episode today is from our series, Living God's Way. As we transition into our new normal, we need to recognize that our world has changed. Although our lives may look differently, this can be a tremendous opportunity for us individually and as a church to truly live out what God desires for our lives. We hope you enjoy. If you got your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, write that on your connection card. We'd love to get you a Bible. We also have a free app. It's available. It's called Uversion. It's available on any smartphone or any device. You can download it right now. I love Uversion because it'll actually read the Bible to you. So if reading is not really your thing or your strong suit, you can definitely uh, download that and do that as well. We've been in a series called Living God's Way. And throughout this summer, we've been in the book of 1 Peter. Again, if you're watching online, we're so glad that you're here joining us. And I would encourage you, if you've missed it, um, I hate, you're kind of coming in on the end of the movie, all right, just to put it that way. So I would encourage you to go back, and I would encourage you to watch it every week. That's why we put it online, so you can go back and watch it. We can go to our website, yankton.church. You can also go to our YouTube channel as well and, and catch up on those things. One of the things, I mean, there's been a lot of negative things about COVID and all the stuff we've been through in quarantine. Um, one of the things that I really like about it, and I gotta be careful, I, I, one of the things I like about it is the fact that there's really no excuse to miss church. Because <laughs> if you're not here on Sunday, it's there seven days a week. So if you get to Sunday and you haven't watched it, that's on you, all right? I love you, but it's on you. You gotta be, be intentional with that as well. But here's why I'm telling you that. And this has been my prayer from the beginning of this series. It's been my prayer every week that I've been here preaching. And as we're coming to the end of this series next week, this is my heart. And I just want to pour my heart out for you guys. This is my prayer. My prayer is that this is not just a series. That this is not just something we go through together and go through the motions and then move on with our lives. Because church, if we actually do the things that God has shown us, through the book of 1 Peter, through this series. Church, if we would actually be committed to living that way, I will guarantee you it will absolutely change your life. And it will absolutely change the lives of your family. It'll absolutely change the lives of everyone you come in contact with, at your job, at your home, wherever that is, it will change everything. It'll change our church. If those of us who are here and say, celebrate church is my home church, if we actually do the things that are written in this series, man, it's gonna make all the difference in our church. And eventually that wall back there, we're gonna to have to push that wall out because that's what God wants to do in our lives. And it's gonna change our community. Think about that. If we were the church that stood up and said, we're gonna actually live what God says, what would that do for our community? What would that do for our state, our country? And our world. And I honestly believe that with all my heart. We started way back at the end of May <laughs> as we're walking through this. And again, I'd encourage you to go back and watch that. And starting in June, we made the shift from being just online only to being house churches. We, we had people that would gather in Elaine and Maya's house and we would watch the service together. Those who were comfortable at that point, who were feeling well, could do that together. And we did that for about two months. And then the last Sunday of July, three weeks ago, we met here and gathered here for the first time in almost 20 weeks. And as we're continuing to do online as well. But back then, on that two weeks ago, I gave a message and we talked about canoeing the mountains. 
Now, if you have no idea what that means, you need to go back and watch it, okay? Because again, a lot of this isn't going to make sense unless we understand the full context of what's going on here. But I made this statement. I said, I don't think we should share our faith anymore. We always hear at the church, we need to share our faith. We need to share our faith. And I said, I don't think we need to share our faith anymore. Because when we share our faith, it's based on our beliefs. And people can argue with my beliefs. We can have different beliefs. We can argue that. But the reason why we share our hope is because nobody can argue with that. The hope that Jesus has done in my life. I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That's the kind of hope that our world is dying for and that we need to do and be a part of. And we talked about our vision statement. If you got your note sheet, if you want to flip it over, on the front top of our, is our vision statement. And our vision statement is we want people to meet Jesus. We want people to do what? That was weak. We can do better than that. Online, if you're watching, play along with me. We want people to do what? That's what we want people to do. And last week, we talked about how we were created for a purpose. Everything God created, He created for success. And in order to be successful, God gave it a name and a purpose. And I said, I want everybody to say their name. So we're going to do it one more time, all right? Count of three, I want everybody to say their name. One, two, three. That's a beautiful name, all right? And then I said, now if I were to say... On the count of three, tell me your purpose. I don't know how confident we'll like be. There you go. Daryl got it. <laughs> he was here last week, everybody. All right. Our purpose is to live like Jesus. What's our purpose, church? Live, live like Jesus. Jesus. There you go. Live like Daryl, man. That'd be great. <laughs> That's what we want to do. We want to live like Jesus. That's our purpose. And when you forget that purpose, you get lost in life. You, you'll, you'll attach your purpose to so many other things. Relationships, a job, finances, security, and all of those things are good things. But they'll leave us empty in the end. And it won't fill us the way that Jesus was. So if we want to meet people to meet Jesus, we need to live like Jesus. And so next week, we're going to be finishing our series here. And uh, we're going to be going through chapter 5. Now, I know what you might be thinking, Pastor. It took you nine weeks to get through four chapters. All right? So you're going to get through one chapter in one week. <laughs> you might want to pack a lunch next Sunday. No. All right. I'm just kidding. All right? But we're going to finish because we're going to talk about finishing well. And we're going to talk about how we finish the race. So you want to be here. But today, um, we're going to talk about something that's really, really important to being a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to make this statement, and then I'm going to come back to it. But here's the statement I want to make. In order to understand someone, you need to understand their story. If you really want to get to know somebody and really understand who they are, you really need to understand their story. And every one of us have a story of how we got to where we are today. And though that story will affect decisions we make, it'll affect the way that we think. And in order to understand somebody, you need to understand their story. I heard this quote one time where it said, Get to know somebody before you judge them. Once you get to know their story, now you really know them. And I just think that's powerful. So many times we're very quick to judge. We'll look at people's actions and we judge them right away. But how often do we take time to really dig deep and find out what's going on underneath? Why, why is that behavior happening? And that's what we're called to do as God's people. And that's why I'm going to go back to talking about our series, Hatch and Patch of Match and Dispatch them. That's why you need to be here. One of the keys to parenting is really understanding your kids, really getting to know each one of your kids. And how many of you with multiple kids can understand your kids can be different? <laughs> Same parents, totally different kids, right? We need to understand that. We need to know that. So with that, 
I want us to go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. And I'm going to read this for you, and it's also going to be up on the screen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fire ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, <laughs> you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. What do you do in your life when the lights go out? What do you do in your life when you realize that the darkness has come? And all of us who have lived long enough understand the darkness does come. What do you do when the marriage is over and there's no way to heal it? What do you do when the dream job that you were so excited about and wanted to have and the career is now over and it's done and it's gone? What do you do when the dream that you had for your life, the vision that you thought you'd live out is no longer an option? Where do you turn? What do you do in life when the prodigals don't come home? And we miss those relationships and we see that. And church, that's what Peter's talking about here today. And when the darkness comes, this is what Peter's saying, and this is what I want you to understand about today. When the darkness comes, don't waste it. That might seem like an interesting way to put it, but we're going to unpack that here today. Don't waste the darkness. See, when, when the lights go out in my life, when things get dark, when I get it and have struggles, I want to ask the question, why? Why, why is this happening to me right now? How, how did I get here? What, what led me this way? Or, or even better, what we want to do is want to blame, right? Who's the person? If they would have done this or if they hadn't done that, we want to pass the blame. Those are all questions we ask when the lights go out in our life and the darkness comes. But there's a better question that we can ask when the darkness comes, is what can I do with this darkness? Because Peter's telling us, don't waste the darkness. The darkness in life will come, but don't waste it. Because God can show us things in the darkness that we can't, or maybe a better way to say it is, we don't want to see in the light. When the light's there, things are easy, it's, it's better, it's great. Sometimes God needs to turn out the lights so we can see clearly what we need to do. Now, I'll say this again. God does not cause the harm in my life. We've talked about that before. God is a loving God. God is a good God. He doesn't cause the harm in our life. But many times when we're in darkness, it's when we can truly see God. And He can definitely use that for His glory. So again, on your note sheets, you might want to write these down. I'm going to give you three things that darkness can reveal. Here's the first one. Darkness can reveal my selfishness. Darkness can reveal my selfishness. Selfishness is really easy to see in other people. It's very apparent when somebody is acting very self-centered. The problem is we can't see selfishness in the mirror very often. When I'm being selfish, it's very difficult to see. However, when there's darkness in my life, my selfishness is very easily revealed. Do you know how a selfish person, if a selfish person has to change a light bulb, do you know how they do that? Okay, they just put the light bulb up there and they wait for the world to revolve around them to turn the light in, all right? 
Sound like anybody you know? Do not look at them. Do not throw an elbow if it's there, okay? Selfish people are, are, think the world goes around them. And, and, and if I can be honest, when I'm in darkness, I kind of want the world to stop for me. <laughs> when I'm facing something, a hurt or a pain, I kind of wish the world would kind of revolve around me and not, not go to other people. Because if we're being honest, other people's problems sometimes are far less than what my problems are. But my hurt is huge. And I just want to say this too. I in no way, shape, or form want to downplay anyone's hurt. If, if you're here today and you're in that dark season and you're hurting, first of all, welcome home. We're glad you're here. And I in no way want to minimize or downplay the hurt that you're going through because it's very real. And so what I'm trying to help us understand is when I have a hurt in my life, a lot of times this is what it looks like. And right now, the only thing you can see about me is my hurt. That's all you can see about me right now is my hurt. But something else is true. Guess what else is true? I can't see you right now. What's the only thing that I can see right now? My hurt. My hurt. All I can see is my hurt. And you, all you can see about me is my hurt. Now, what we pray sometimes is we pray, God, take my hurt away. God, just take it away. I don't want to have my hurt anymore. And yet sometimes the hurt stays there, doesn't it? And, and we wonder why the hurt doesn't go away. God, why can't you just take the hurt away? I can't see anything. People can't see me. All I can see is my hurt. And friends, this is what I want to challenge you with today. If this is you today, if you're hurting right now, this is what I'm, I think God is telling us to do here in the scripture. He's not asking us to remove our hurt. This is what he's asking us to do. Now, did my hurt go away? It's still there. When you look at me, can you still see my hurt? Yeah, you can still see my hurt. But what else can you see? You can see me. You can see my hurt and you can see me. And you know the other thing that I can see? I can see you now too. So many times, guys, as a pastor, when people come to me, a lot of times it's not, hey, everything's great, I just wanna tell you my life is great, okay? The conversations that I've had as a pastor are usually the worst times in people's life. When the marriage ends, when there's a death, when there's an illness, all of these things, I've seen a lot of hurt. And I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of people do this with their hurt. And all you can see about them is their hurt. And they can't see other people's hurt as well. And this is what I want to challenge you to do today. If that's you, can you do this? Your hurt's not going to go away. It's still going to be there. It's still real. We're still going to see it when we look at you. But you need to look around at other people. Because guess what? Others have hurt too. See, if God wants to use us in an effective and powerful way, he can't do it if I'm the focus of my life. And I can't focus on other people if I can't see them because my hurt is too great. So are you today willing to just move that hurt down just a little bit so you can see others clearly and they can see you as well? Because see, darkness can reveal my selfishness. Here's the second thing darkness can do. Darkness can reveal my shallow living. Darkness can reveal my shallow living. One of the great questions in life is when you darkness comes, do you faith up or do you freak out? Because it's going to happen in life. When darkness comes, do you faith up or do you freak out? Because when you faith up, that requires real faith. 
It says, God is control no matter what I face. No matter what I face. That's what Peter's saying here. No matter what comes in my life, I know God's in control. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to hold on to his truth. That requires a huge amount of faith. And here's the reason why I think that is. Because we like to be in control. I like to be in control of my own life. I like to make sure that I can control things. And when things are out of my control, I struggle with that. Because guess what? I'm not God. And letting go and letting God can be the hardest thing to do. And that's why, friends, worry is a sin. Did you know that it's a sin to worry? Do you know why that's the case? Because worry is worthless. Worry doesn't change anything. Worry just says, I'm in control and I'm going to try to make this right. And God's like, just let go. Let me have it. Let me carry those burdens. See, darkness can reveal our shallow living. One of the things, again, we're talking about COVID-19 and, and the quarantine and, and all those things. And I don't know how those three to four months were for you um, being stuck at home. I know many of you had to work from home. Maybe some of you lost your job. Maybe you had to be stuck at home with your family the whole time. I don't know what that looked like for you, but it's, it's changed. It's changed our world. Whether you agree, disagree, no matter where you're at on that spectrum, our world is completely different right now. And one of the things that's really happening is there's a lot of people sensing that change and that difference in their life. And I was listening to um, a psychologist who said something about COVID, and I was like, man, that's good. I never thought about it in that way, but that's exactly what it is. I think he just hit the nail right on the head. This is what he said. He said, what the quarantine has done in all of our lives is it's drained the lake. And you might say, what does that mean? Well, this is what he went on to explain. He said, sometimes in our lives we can be so busy, right? We, we have our... Busy schedule, busy schedule. And he said, what that does is it creates kind of like a lake of water that kind of smooths everything over. You know, when you look at a lake, you see the nice, even water, and it's nice and clean and nice and clear and even. He says, this is what the quarantine has done for people. It's drained the lake. And when that water goes away, he said, all you see is what's on the lake bottom. And you see what's really, really there and what's really present in our lives, when, when you don't have to go to work, when you, when you take away school, when you're all at home together, the lake has been drained. And the reason why this has been so hard, and I've talked to so many people that the last couple months have been so difficult on them, is because the lake has been drained in their lives. And, and they've really had to deal with some stuff that they didn't even realize was a thing, but now they have to deal with that. Studies tell us that over the next six months, the divorce rate is gonna be higher than it's been in a generation. Because they, scientists say, because people have been at home with their spouse <laughs> and, and they realize the lake has been drained and this person that I live with right now is not the person that I should be with. It can be very, very revealing. That's what darkness can do. It can show if our life is shallow. And I just have to say this, church, and, and I, I'm taught this out of love and out of my heart. It's really showed some shallowness in our church. And I don't mean specifically our church here in Yankton. I mean the Big C Church. And I've talked to dozens of pastors literally all over the country, churches in varying sizes, smaller than ours, to churches much larger than ours. And every pastor has said the same thing. One of the main things that we've taken away from this season in our country is how much emphasis we put on our Sunday gatherings. And when that was taken away, how lost, not only the church was, but how lost pastors were. What, what do I do? How do I manage that? And, and should we gather on Sundays? Absolutely. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. That's why we continue to go online during the season. But I want to tell you something, church. Church is not just a Sunday gathering. 
It's so much more than that. And so when God have took that away from us as a church, maybe God's trying to reveal something in our lives and say, hey, maybe instead of just being focused on Sunday, maybe I need to pick up the phone on Monday and call somebody and see how they're doing. Maybe I need to be part of a life group every, every week that, that I can be connected with so I can build relationships, so I can grow in my faith. Because if you just come Sunday morning, and do we want you to come? Yes, of course. Are we going to continue to do that? Absolutely. Does God's word say we should? Yes. But if that's all we do, and if that's taken away, what does that reveal about us in our lives? And how can we continue to love the way that God called us to be in the church? Because sometimes darkness can reveal that we can be kind of shallow. And we can see that in our lives. So darkness can reveal my selfishness. It can reveal my shallow living. Here's the third thing it can do. It can reveal my sinful character. Darkness can reveal my sinful character. The definition of character that you've heard me say before and I absolutely love is who you are when no one is looking. That's your character. What you think you can get away with is what you will try to get away with every single time. And God can use darkness to reveal our character. And why does he do that? Because God can't use sinful character. Every single one of us has something in our lives that we need to get better at. There's, there's a sin, there's something that, that we are being held back from. And God wants to completely eliminate that in our lives. And sometimes darkness can reveal that. We've heard many stories of, of leaders, maybe pastors, maybe politicians, who have had great moral failures. They've done something, um, either sexually or, or maybe stole money or, or you know, fill in the blank of the stories. And every single one of those things, the problem has been the exact same thing. There was a moral flaw that they had that was revealed. And they thought they could hide it. They thought they could get away with it. But God exposes everything. That's what my Bible says. And, and he won't just expose it here on earth. He'll expose it in heaven too. God wants us to be pure and holy and righteous. And sometimes darkness can reveal things in my life that I need to change. So don't waste the darkness. So again... Darkness can reveal my selfishness. It can reveal my shallow living. And it can reveal my sinful character. Those are the things that darkness can reveal. So now I want to go back to the beginning. And I said to understand someone, you need to understand their story. Remember when I said that? To understand someone, you need to understand their story. So what I want to do right now is I want to go back and I want to talk about Peter. And we talked about this at the beginning of the series, but I want to mention it again. If you're new... Who Peter was, the guy writing this, who's saying all this, what darkness can reveal, he was Jesus' right-hand guy. Jesus had 12 people that were kind of his homies while he was here on earth, right? And out of the 12, he picked three of them to be really close. Peter was one of those. And out of those three, Jesus picked Peter to say, you're the rock that I'm going to build my church on. So that was Peter's status. Peter had a very high status in following Jesus Christ, if you want to think about it in that way. And Peter... The night that Jesus was betrayed, Jesus said, listen, guys, here's the deal. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. But don't worry. Three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, apparently the disciples missed that part or they just didn't believe it or whatever because they're like, oh, no, that's terrible. Jesus, we'll, we'll defend you. We're not going to do that. And Peter, Peter stood up because he's the leader, right? He's the man. And Peter stood up in front of all the disciples and he said, Jesus, I will go to death for you. I will face anything that needs to be done. I will not let this happen. And if you know the story, you know where we're going with this. Jesus looked at Peter and probably shook his head. And he said, Peter, before the night is over, 
you are going to deny that you even know me three times. And Peter said, no way, Jesus, I'm never going to do that. I'm going to stand firm for you. No matter what happens, I'm going to be here for you. How many of you have been there before in your life? You don't need to raise your hand. I've been there before. Well, as you know, exactly what Jesus said happened. He was arrested. He was betrayed. He was taken in for trial. And all four Gospels share the exact same account. And this, what's up here on the screen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some references. And if you want to write these down, or I can send them out to you later. Matthew 26, 69 through 75. Mark 14, 66 through 75. Mark 14, 66 through 75. Luke 22, 54 to 62. Luke 22, 54 to 62. And then John 18, verses 15 through 18. And then 25 to 27. If you didn't get those, don't worry. I will make sure you get them afterwards. We'll write them down. Maybe we'll put them on our website. Why am I telling you that? All four Gospels say the exact same story. And what I'm going to put up here on the screen, you're not going to find in any one of those four Gospels. This is kind of a, a, a gathering of that that I put together. So I'm going to read this to you. Peter followed him at a distance. This is after Jesus was arrested. Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. The other disciple who was known to the high priest, that was actually John, came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty who was there and brought Peter in. He sat with the guards and warmed himself by the fire to see the outcome, to see what would happen to Jesus. Aren't you one of the men, this man's disciples too, they asked Peter. Peter replied, I am not. That's the first denial. Peter went to the gateway where another servant girl, a little tiny girl, goes up to Peter and says, saw him and said to the people, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied it again, this time taking an oath. I don't know the man. Second time, he's denied Jesus. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Surely you're one of them. You're Galilee, your accent gives it away. Then he began to call down curses, Peter did. And he swore to them, I don't know the man. Third denial. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words the Lord had spoke to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will have disowned me three times. And Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. What's the lowest point in your life? You remember it? That was it for Peter. Just a couple hours ago, sitting in a room with Jesus, who he had followed for three years, who he poured his life into. He said, I will go to death for you, Jesus. And three times he denied it. Once to a little girl. And he called down curses on oath. And the Bible says that he wept bitterly. And that word bitterly, I want you to point it out to you, it doesn't do justice in English. Our English language sometimes is limited. That word means just absolute, just awful. It's only used two times in the whole entire Bible. And just think of, again, the worst thing that's ever happened in your life, how you've responded to that. That's what Peter was doing right there. It's not just sitting and crying. It's his whole body is just convulsing emotionally. Well, why am I telling you all that stuff? 
Because that account, you will find it in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke, and in John. All four Gospels wrote that account, exactly what happened to Peter. Whenever something that Jesus did occurs in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you need to know two things about them. Number one, guarantee you it happened. If you don't believe the Bible, if you don't believe God's Word, you have four ancient documents that say the exact same thing. I can guarantee you that happened. Absolutely 100%. But here's the second thing that you need to know. When something occurs in all four Gospels, God wants you to understand it. <laughs> he wants to drive the point home. And the reason why many scholars agree with this, the reason why this particular account occurs in all four Gospels is because who was the leader of the early church? Anybody know? Peter. And you know what Peter did? Everywhere Peter went, every message Peter preached, every city Peter traveled to, every disciple that he talked to, you know what he did? He told this story. Now, that might seem kind of weird. Because here's a guy who's the leader of the church, the one who's following and doing that. But yet, Peter is saying, listen, this is what happened. <laughs> this is what happened in my life. And I want to share this with you, and I want you to understand it. You know why he said that? Because Peter says, don't waste the darkness. The lowest, darkest point in your life, God can use for his glory. And that's exactly what Peter did. So with that, I'm going to go back and I want to read this passage again. And, I want, and again, remember how I said to understand someone, you need to understand their what? Their story, right? Now we understand Peter's story. We know what Peter's been through. Let's read this one more time. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit and the glory of God rests on you. Everybody who Peter wrote that to in the first century knew this story, and knew that when the chips were down the most, Peter was the one who denied Jesus, and he said, man, don't I regret it. Don't I wish I could go back to that moment and I could stand up for my Savior. And guess what? Every single one of you have that opportunity every day of your life. And when Peter wrote this to people, they were facing certain death and persecution because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They were getting fed to the lions. They were getting lit on fire. And Peter says, don't be surprised when that happens because guess what? It happened to me too. And I bailed out. And when it happens to you, I want you to stand firm because of what God can do through you. And God will do that through you. Don't waste the darkness. That's what Peter's message was to you. And so I want to give you, as we're wrapping up here, I want to give you three things. That's in this verse that Peter wants to tell you. How not to waste your darkness. Here's the first one. Here's the first one that Peter says in that passage. We need to recognize it. We need to acknowledge that the darkness is happening. I, I, I see it sometimes where I'll see Christians who, you know, when the hurt and the pain come, they're like, oh, it's no big deal. It's not a big thing. No, it is. It hurts. When you lose a loved one, can we just say it? It stinks. It hurts. Now, I know that they're in heaven with Jesus and I know all that stuff, but can I, can I help you with something? I want them here with me now. That hurt is very real. We can't minimize it. We can't take it away. We need to acknowledge that that hurt. So I want you to look at somebody right now. I want you to say, wow, that stinks. Look at somebody and say, wow, that stinks. 
It's stinks just to say it. Just own it, right? If you're dealing with something in your life, it's okay to say, wow, that stinks. Now I want you to look back at the same person and I want you to say this, but God's on the throne. God's on the throne. Man, that stinks, but God's on the throne. When you face darkness in your life, recognize it, own it. Here's the second thing you need to do. You need to rejoice. Now I want to be careful when I say that. I didn't say, and Peter's not saying, enjoy it. There's a difference between rejoicing and enjoyment. And I want to help you with that to understand it. Enjoyment is a feeling. It's a pleasurable thing. I know no one who sticks their finger in a meat grinder going, wow, that's awesome. I want to do that again. Okay? I've never had that happen before. When you're going through your hurt, it hurts. You, you should have pleasure and, pain and enjoyment from that. But why does he say rejoice? Because rejoicing has nothing to do with emotions. It's got everything to do with an attitude. Church, I don't know who you are or where you're at right now, but I tell you what, whatever hurt you're facing, my God's bigger than it. I don't care what the world throws at me. And that's what Peter's saying here. My God's going to win. I'm not scared of a virus. I'm not scared of a presidential election. I'm not scared about our economy. I'm not scared about any of that stuff because you know why? My God's bigger than that. So I can rejoice in that. I can have a rejoice attitude. I don't have to like it. Again, it's not fun, it's not pleasurable, but I can rejoice in that, and that needs to be our attitude. Amen. We need to recognize it, we need to rejoice, but here's the third one, and sometimes I think we miss this. We need to be righteous. Be righteous. Peter says in verse 19, so then, don't miss this church, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been set apart to do God's work. That is not an easy task. That's why Jesus says, narrow is the road and few will find it. It's a hard task that we face. But we need to do the right thing no matter what. Think about Peter again in the story that he just shared. What would have happened if Peter would have said to that little servant girl, yep, I'm with Jesus. In fact, I'm his right-hand man. You know what they would have done to him? They would have stuck him up on a cross right next to Jesus, and Peter knew that. That would be the righteous thing to do. And I wonder how many times in my life, and I'm just talking about me here, I wonder how many times in my life I have denied my Savior for my own personal benefit. And it wouldn't even cost me my life. It would have just cost me some points with somebody that I don't even care about. That breaks my heart. We need to be righteous. And being righteous means you do the right thing no matter what. No matter what it costs me. It means you keep your word. If you give a promise, you need to keep your promise. Even if it costs you something and even if it's hard. If you tell a lie, you need to own it. And you need to say, that wasn't true. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? If you take something that doesn't belong to you, you need to pay it back. That's what it means to be righteous. It might be hard. It might be embarrassing. It might be hurtful. But that's what God called us to do, and that's what Peter's telling us to do. Be righteous. Be righteous. Warren Worsby, he says, a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ builds their life on truth, humility, and holiness, and the desire to glorify God no matter what. Church, is that our desire? Do we desire to glorify God no matter what, no matter what it costs me? Now, I want to share something with you. And the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because God is amazing. And, and we've got, we serve an amazing God. Amen? Amen? 
I don't care where you're at on your spiritual journey, how long you've been a follower of Jesus Christ, you've always got something to learn. And I got stuff to learn too. And one of the things that I did as I was preparing for this message, I learned something that I never knew before. I've been a follower of Jesus Christ my whole life. I've studied God's Word. I, I, I go to seminary. I'm learning about God's Word. I, I, read, I listen to pastors. I listen to messages. I read my Bible all the time. And I learned something about this message. And I went, I never knew that before. <laughs> and whenever those things come up, I want to share them with you. Are you guys okay if I do that? All right. Because again, I, I hope it encourages you. Because I didn't just wake up one day and all this stuff was in my head. I, I've worked at it. I've learned. And I'm still on a journey. And I don't get it right. But I'm still learning. So I want to share something with you that I never knew before. And I think it's really cool. I said this earlier. All four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell the story of Peter's denial. We walked through that together, right? How Peter said over and over again, this is what I did. This is something that I didn't know. And this is awesome. You guys can learn this here too. In three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those three Gospels, the climax of the gospel, meaning like what, what happens at the big dramatic end, is Jesus is resurrected, right? Which makes sense because this is the big glory of Jesus. Jesus is raised from the dead. Yay, everything's great. That's the ending, the end. Now, does John have that in there too? Yes, John, John chapter 20 talks about the resurrection of Jesus. But here's what I'm telling you. Here's my point. The climax of the book of John is not the resurrection of Jesus. Did you know that? I didn't know that. And I was looking at that, I was like, this is crazy. I didn't know that. That happens in John 20, but there's another chapter to John. It's called John 21. And if you're not familiar with John 21, I want to help you with what it is. See, in John 21, it's the restoration of Peter. This is what I mean by that. Picture this with me. Peter's been going around the world. He's been preaching. I deny Jesus three times. A little girl asked me, and I got scared. I just called on curses. Think of how many times he said that. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew that. And Peter was the leader of the early church. Do you think at times Peter might have got a big head about that? I'm the man. You know, people are looking at me. I'm the guy doing things. Do you think he might have got a little arrogant about that sometimes? And every time, he would remember that moment. Not in a guilt and a shame way, but as a way to understand, listen, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you guys are. Right? And Peter would share that over and over again. That's why it's in all four Gospels, including the Gospel of Mark, or including the Gospel of John. John 21 was actually written after Peter's death. Peter was actually crucified for his belief in Jesus Christ. We know that because John wrote about it in chapter 21. And this is what I learned. What most scholars agree is the fact that John, Peter's close friend, after Peter's death said, you know, I want you guys to know something. Peter you know the story of his denial. But I want to share with you what God did with that. Because Peter was a humble leader, and he wanted you to understand it. But this is what Jesus did. In John chapter 21, I want you to write it down. I'm not going to go through it right now, but I want you to read it this week. And I've preached it before, but I want you to read John 21. And what Jesus does is Jesus restores Peter. And John wanted everybody to know that that Jesus can restore you. And why am I going with that? And here's the point to understand what John wanted to understand, what you need to understand. You are not defined by your darkness. Your darkness does not define you. The stuff and the hurt in your life is probably a significant piece of your story, as it was for Peter. But your hurt and your pain, your darkness does not define you. 
you can continue to move on and do great things for God because God wants to be restored to us. We want to have a restoration relationship. And even though Peter did a horrible thing and denied Jesus, Jesus came back and he said, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to be my pastor. And I'll just go ahead and wrap it up by saying this. Every single pastor has followed in the line of Peter. One of the things that I love about the Catholic Church is they talk about how the Pope is actually from the direct line of Peter. And I agree with that totally theologically because I believe that every pastor, every minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ follows in the line of Peter, myself included. And when I say that, I say it to understand the fact that there can be an arrogance, there can be a pride, there can be a big head that can develop with that. And every single one of us need to understand the very principle that Peter taught us is that guess what? I, I'm the worst of sinners. I'm the least likely person to be standing up here and to be leading this congregation. But also I want you to know something. My God can do a work in me. <laughs> my God can do a work in my heart and can show that and can love that. And I just think that's awesome. God, I thank you so much for the life of Peter. I thank you that he was a broken and flawed man. I thank you for his passion that he would stand up and he would say, I'm going to go to death for you. And yet a couple hours later, he's scared by a little teenage girl. But God, you use that. And you help Peter to recognize that even at the worst part of our life, your light can shine through. We can recognize and we can acknowledge what we've done or what's happened to us and say it's not okay. We can have an attitude of rejoice, not, not, not an enjoyment, not a pleasure of it, God, but a way to say this is my attitude that I know that my God reigns. And no matter how bad I do or, or how many mistakes I make, you can restore me and you can put me in the right place. And God, you ask us to be righteous. You ask us to put aside our sinful, selfish ways. And God, I just go back to what we were talking about with our hurt. Sometimes that hurt, sometimes that pain, it can be very real, it can be very hard. But God, I pray that you would give everyone in this room the strength, the wisdom, and the courage to move that hurt just a little bit down. So not only can people see us, we can see other people. And we won't be the focus of our own story. Jesus, you're the focus of the story. And Peter understood that, and he made sure the first church knew that. And every pastor that has come from the line of Peter that you ordained wants the same thing for their people, God. That they would look to you. That they would look to you. Jesus, if there's anybody in this church that's following me, I pray right now that they would repent of that in your name. Because you're going to be disappointed. They're going to be hurt. I'm going to do or say something that's going to hurt or offend them, God. I'm not going to try to, but I know it's going to happen. But Jesus, if we're following you, if, if we're trying to live like Jesus, not like Jeff, there's nothing that we can do to, that's going to affect that, that's going to destroy that. We're going, to, we're going to continue to grow in you. We're going to continue to get it right. We're going to continue to fight the darkness that's in this world, and we're going to do it as a unified body of believers in this community. Because, Jesus, we know our time is running short. We know that the persecution in this country has not even yet begun. But let us to stand firm and to speak the name of Jesus, even if it makes us look weird, even if we lose friendships, even if there's things we have to stop doing, but that we would stand up for your righteousness, God. And we would set apart just the way you called us to be. We thank you and we praise you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to grow more in your faith, check out one of our life groups that meet throughout the week. For a list of days and times, please visit our website at yankton.church. You can also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Celebrate Yankton. Thank you.